Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about success from God's perspective. In the first talk, we spoke about good success, where God describes his kind of success as good success. He's not saying that worldly success doesn't mean anything, but he's saying there's more. There's more in God. And today I want to talk about unusual success. Have you ever played a game or been part of something and you thought you knew the rules and you found out at the end that you didn't really understand the rules? We went to visit some friends of ours in Scotland recently and it was a beautiful sunny day and they love to play croquet on the lawn. Now I've lived quite a long time but I had never played proper croquet. I'd always just messed around and they knew the rules and they were very competitive and they kept us to the rules exactly right. So the idea behind croquet is you've got a stick, a mallet, and you've got a ball, and you've got to hit through some hoops that are on the lawn. And I'd always just played whack the ball as hard as you can, get it through the hoop, and everybody says yay. But there are rules and there is strategy to the game of croquet. Once you've hit it through a hoop, you have to then get it to another hoop, and you have to try and hit your opponent's ball so that you can get a second shot and you can maybe get their ball out of the way. There's a whole lot of strategy. And so when you hit through a hoop, you have to be thinking of the next couple of moves that you want to make. Now, I didn't realize this. I was just hitting through the hoops and thinking it was wonderful. And then I realized because my host was such a stickler for the rules, I realized that I need to be aware of the rules and I need to follow them correctly. Now, God's idea of success says that the worldly rules for success exist and they are correct to a certain degree, but there are bigger rules. There is more for us to bear in mind when we're playing this game called life. So what does the world define as success? I've listed five things and they are achievement. In other words, achieving certain benchmarks or goals guidelines of achievement, achievement, accumulation, getting more and more stuff. That is sometimes a measure of success. Competition, in other words, being better than the person next to you or your brother or whatever it is. Competition is sometimes seen as success, being the winner. The fourth one is recognition, where people say, well done, you're great, you've done a great job. Sometimes that is the measure of success. And the last one is a feeling of success where I feel fulfilled and I feel like I have achieved what I wanted to achieve. That is what the world says success is. And all of those are correct to some degree, but God has more. And so I'm going to list four things today where God's idea of success and his description of success is different. It's unusual. It is counterintuitive. We wouldn't normally think this way because we've grown up in this world that we've lived in for so long. So the first one is glory. What gives us glory? And in Jeremiah 9 verse 23, it says, thus says the Lord. You may have heard the rules of success from your school, from your peers, from your parents, from your education system from the world around you from the newspapers but God says thus says the Lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom you may think wisdom or knowledge is your measure of success God says don't glory in that let not the mighty man glory in his might you might think having strength and 
and being able to influence things is your measure of success. God says, don't glory in that, not in wisdom, not in might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Again, accumulation. No, that's not it. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. And suddenly we see there are bigger rules. There is a bigger perspective. I need to step back and say, what is the true game that I'm playing here? Do you glory in these things? Step back and have a look. The second one is being happy. Jesus started his very first sermon in Matthew 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, blessed are. And he mentioned a whole lot of people. His first words were blessed are. And the end of the Old Testament, the last word in the Old Testament is the word curse. And the first word that Jesus spoke in his ministry was blessed. So let's read it. Verse 3, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus used this word blessed. In the Greek, it's makarios. It comes from the idea of great happiness and joy and well-being. And what he's saying is the world may say, blessed are the rich in spirit, those who are proud and think they've got everything together. But he says, from God's perspective, blessed are the poor in spirit because they realize they need God. Blessed are those who mourn. The world may say, blessed are those who are happy and aren't mourning. But God says, you're happy and you're blessed and you're successful when you mourn because it causes you to turn to God and you shall receive real comfort. Blessed are the meek. Again, the opposite of what the world says. Jesus says, you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness rather than for goods and things. He says, for then you'll be truly filled. Goods and things will pass away and, and be destroyed by moth and thieves, Jesus said. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The world says, no, no, push others down, win at all costs. But God says, be merciful, extend kindness and mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The world says, no, no, be wise and cunning and do whatever you can to win. Blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Again, it's the opposite of competition, peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. In this world, we don't want persecution. Jesus was saying the opposite of what you think makes you happy is actually what makes you happy. Why? Because there's a bigger perspective. 
There is eternity. We use the illustration of a runner running in a 100 meter race in a stadium, and he thinks his goal is just to beat everybody else and to get to the finish line as fast as he can, but he doesn't realize there's a whole world, there's a whole stadium around the race, and even outside of the stadium, he's got to go on and live life and, and succeed in all the other areas of life. That race is not all there is, and this life is not all there is, and that's why Jesus said, think again. Take those glasses off that you've used to measure success and take my glasses, which tell you what success really is. Right, I'm going to go quickly now. The third one is treasure. So we've said, what is our glory? What makes us feel great? The second one is what makes us happy. The third one is treasure. We often think that we need to... Uh, just gain as much as we can for success. The, the world says the bigger your bank balance, the more successful you are. But listen to Luke 12, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Don't worry about those. Don't make that your goal of success. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Change your mindset, he says. You are valuable to God. It's not just a bigger perspective, but there is a God who cares for you, and that changes the rules of this game. And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? <laughs> I love that one. How many of us by worrying about that post we see on social media of how good looking our friend is, how much by worrying can we change anything about ourselves? Maybe by Photoshop you can, but by worrying you can't. He says, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God looks after things better than you can. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Change your mindset. He loves you. He cares for you. There's more to life than what we think. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. He says, don't go along with the crowd. The crowd says, this is the value of what's important, and this is the measure of success. And Jesus says, the world seeks these things, but not you. Verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God, and all of these other things shall be added to you. He's not saying no to those things. He's saying, think bigger. Have a greater perspective. Step back and look at the big picture and the real measure of success. You know, we listed last time in our, in our previous talk many, many verses. I think it was 70-odd verses in the Bible that say God wants to bless you and give you success. Even the world's value of success, but He says there's more and there are more important priorities. And so God wants to bless us with all these good things. But because we understand that there's eternity and that there are people around us who need to be told about Jesus, we're willing to forego the comforts of this life and even give away our, our possessions so that we can gain the true riches. He goes on to say, Do not fear, little flock, 
for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to bless you. He wants you to succeed. He really does. And then verse 33, sell what you have, give alms or give gifts. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friend, the thing that you're aiming for as your definition of success, that thing that you're looking for and working towards, will move your heart towards that thing. And you'll find yourself loving that thing and thinking about it and dreaming about it. And so if you think it's recognition or accumulation of goods or achieving certain standards or whatever it is, you will be moving towards that thing. And Jesus says, get your heart aimed to the right thing and you will move towards that thing. You can check what you value as success because of where your heart is. What do you love? Is it your pleasures? Is it your your riches? Is it your social status? And then we can make a decision and say, I'm going to choose to move myself. I'm going to give things away, which is so counterintuitive. He says, give and you build up a treasure store in heaven. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul, the apostle says, I will gladly spend my money and my goods and be spent. I will let myself be completely used up for the sake of your souls, he says, so that others may find Christ and be in eternity forever. That is true riches. So we've looked at glory. We've looked at happiness. We've looked at treasure. And I really would ask you, you know, we can bash somebody else and say, you must be different. But at the end of the day, you need to look in your own heart. I need to look in my own heart. And I need to say, where am I getting my sense of success, my sense of achievement, my sense of comfort, my glory, my happiness, my treasure. And God says, I'm challenging you, my son, my daughter, look with my eyes at what's really important. I can honestly say that this has become true for me. I grew up in a, in a home that was reasonably wealthy. We had a massive house with a swimming pool and we had everything we needed. And through a series of things in our country, we lost everything. But I was completely content because I knew that God was with me. Now, since then, I've had ups and downs of wealth and various other things. But I can honestly say when we find our security in Christ and we know there's more than just this short hundred meter dash, there is eternity to come. We're willing to spend and be spent. And God is amazing because he keeps providing. He says, I know you need all these things. I know you need food and clothing and all these things. I will look after you, but get your priorities right. You know, there was another place where Jesus said that there are least things and there are more valuable things. And he said that actually uh, money or treasure or mammon is the least of these things. But God wants to give us true riches, eternal treasures. Right, let's go into greatness. The last one is greatness. We've looked at all these different things, but how do I become great? Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited, and he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. 
and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sat at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus gave us another paradigm shift. He said in this world, you promote yourself. You make yourself seem great. You try to get adulation and fame and glory. But in God's economy, when you humble yourself, when you push others forward, when you uh, don't pr promote yourself, but you say, I am less, I am less, I am less, then God exalts you. Wow, this is such a paradigm shift. I'm going to read you a couple of other stories about this. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink that cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, Now listen to this. What's happened is James and John have said, Lord, we want to be the main guys. When you're in glory, we want to be at your right and your left. We want promotion. We want greatness. We want prominence. So Jesus calls the disciples to himself and says, this is a teaching moment. The world says greatness or success is getting a position. And in verse 42, he said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be the first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gives us an example. <laughs> you know, there's an amazing story. Just before Jesus is crucified, he's having the Last Supper with his disciples. And he's knowing where he's come from. He's come from heaven and he is the Lord of all. And he's knowing he's going to the cross and then to glory in heaven. But he chooses to serve and to become a servant and to humble himself. In John chapter 13, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And he washed the disciples' dirty, smelly feet. Jesus says greatness is making ourselves humble and putting ourselves as a servant to others. Now, this doesn't mean that we say that we are useless. It just means that we choose to prefer other people. Humility and greatness is a massive, massive topic in the body of Christ, in the Bible, and in God's economy. He says, humble yourself and you will be exalted. In James, it says that God opposes the proud, sets himself in battle array against the proud, but he gives grace or help or kindness to the humble. God says that success is humbling yourself. Now, this may mean that you never have a title. 
This may mean that you are never given prominence or glory or fame in this earth. But you know what? This earth is 70, 80, 90 years. Eternity is forever. This earth is a tiny little piece, a little frayed bit on the end of a rope. And eternity is the whole rope that stretches for billions of miles. Eternity is what's important. And God's opinion is what really matters. I just want to um, close with a leadership lesson here. Just a very quick one. There were three kings at the beginning of God's institution of kings in the nation of Israel. There were three of them. The first was Saul, and he used bullying and force to impose his will. The second one was David, and he worshipped the Lord and listened to the Lord to enforce his rule. And the third one was Absalom, David's son, who used politics and trickery and being sickly sweet and, and manipulating people to try and keep power. And it's so interesting. Let me read you three verses that talk about what was in their hands, these three kings. And it will show you how God's way of leading is different from the world. So 1 Samuel 19 verse 9. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. What's in Saul's hand? What's in your hand? When you try and lead, when you try and be great, is it a spear? David was worshipping the Lord. Psalm 78 verse 72. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. He said, I'm going to serve these people skillfully and with integrity. And then the last one, Absalom. 2 Samuel 15 verse 5. So it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to Absalom that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. He kissed babies. He kissed people. He loved to charm people and pretend that he loved them. Friend, what is your measure of success and how are you going to achieve it? Is it accumulating lots of wealth? Maybe you're, you're structuring your life. You're getting education and you're trying to get promotions and you, you're trying to plan your life to get a lot of money. God says, lay up treasure in heaven. In fact, Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he gained all the riches of the world, but lost his own soul? Yes, God wants to bless us with goods and things. He loves to give us things, but his bigger priority is seeing people saved and giving away money to help others come to know him. Maybe it's promotion or a position or a title. I would challenge you, my friend, whose fame are you looking for? Whose affirmation do you want? Do you want the world to say you're great? Do you want a title on your desk or on your, under your name? Or do you want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You know, the book of Daniel speaks about the end times. And in Daniel chapter 12, it talks about the very end when everybody has died and there's a judgment day. And it, it says that many will rise. Let me just read it to you. Daniel chapter 12. In verse 2, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, and interestingly, that 
Hebrew word wise is the same word translated good success that we read in Joshua chapter 1 in our first talk. God's good success. Those who are wise, those who have good success shall shine in eternity like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Friends, God's view of success. He says, yes, all those things, accumulating, getting positions. Yes, they're fine, but they're the least. They're the tiny little things. The big things are what's going to last forever. Can I challenge you? Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Seek to build up treasures in heaven. Seek to be great in God's eyes. Seek to have the glory where God says, yes, let him who glory, glory in this, that he knows and understands me. Blessed, blessed, happy are the peacemakers, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are seeking God's things. And God says, not just blessed will they be, not just in heaven, but blessed are those people. It is the greatest form of happiness. You can have less money than the person next to you. You can have no title after your name. You may not have a great career progression ahead of you. But if God says you're blessed, you have a sense of well-being. You have a sense of fulfillment. You say, I know whose I am and I know where I'm going. Jesus, when he knew that God had given all things to him, that he knew that he had come from God and he was going back to God, he could lay aside his garments and serve and wash the disciples' feet. Friend, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this? Can I suggest we need to make a decision in our lives and say, I'm going to prioritize God's success. That may mean that you forego salary increases, that you give up other things you've been doing, that you don't borrow a lot of money to have the most flashy goods or car. But in God's eyes, he says, I know what real success is and I'm watching. Lord Jesus, please would you help us to view success from your point of view. Please help me, Lord. Please help me to change my mindset, to take off these glasses that have told me what success is and to see things correctly through your eyes and to know what you say is important. Please help me, Lord, to build up treasure in heaven, to humble myself so I can be great in your kingdom, to build your church and your people, to spend and be spent in Jesus' name. Friend, if you want to do more of that, Get involved in your local church, but also look at our website, leadinglightsnetwork.com, and we will help you. There's a weekly email we'll send you with some resources, and we just want to help you and blow wind into your sails and make you the greatest Christian you could possibly be. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.